Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The last two draft class recaps here on the Prospects and Props podcast. The AFC South, the division that we are focusing on today. And Jamie, a division that has a lot of excitement, has a lot of buzz, has some of the younger quarterback quarterback prospects uh, in it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of fun storylines that we'll be developing over the course of not just 2023, uh, but beyond. And some the starting point for some of these franchises turning over new leaves started with this draft. We will start, however, with the division winner from the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars, 9-8, and eight, winners of this division. They've got their quarterback. They've got their head coach. They had great and- success in 2023. 13 picks. That's how many there are here? Okay, 13 picks for me to go through here. Pick Their first pick in the first round, Anton Harrison, offensive tackle from Oklahoma. In the second, Brenton Strange, tight end from Penn State. In the third, Tank Bigsby, running back from Auburn. A pair of fourth-round picks, Ventrell Miller, linebacker from Florida. Tyler Lacey, defensive end from Oklahoma State. A pair of fifth-round picks, Yasir Abdullah, off, outside linebacker from Louisville. Antonio Johnson, safety from Texas A&M. Three sixth-round picks, Parker Washington, Penn State wide receiver. Christian Braswell, corner from Rutgers. Eric Hollett, the second, safety from Pittsburgh. Three seventh-round picks, Cooper. Hodges, guard from Appalachian State, Raymond Vosik, defensive tackle from North Carolina, and Derek, Derek Parrish, he has a lot there, Derek Parrish, fullback from Houston to round out this draft class. Yeah, fullback, linebacker, hybrid. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't love it. Uh, I, I like, I mean, look, I understand the Anton Harrison pick. Uh, he's going to probably be their starting left tackle with all the Cam Robinson PED suspension conversation that's been happening. I thought they got some good value later on. Like I think the Antonio Johnson pick is really savvy there in the fifth round, and I could see him working his way into that rotation by year two. Uh, you know, I think even a guy like Parker Washington and Christian Braswell in the sixth are pretty solid values, but I don't see a lot of impact players here. Um, I think Brenton Strange is fine, but he's just a guy to me. Um, they take him in the second. Tank, Tank Bigsby, I know – Doug Peterson wants to work in more running backs in the rotation. He wants to use multiple backs. And again, I think this is a perfectly fine pick, but I'm not overwhelmingly excited. I think Ventrell Miller is just the guy. Tyler Lacey is just the guy. Like it's, it's okay. Um, I don't really love this class. Doesn't change how I feel about them for this year. And, Obviously, they'll get a, a potential impact player in Anton Harrison, especially if they relative to who else they could have played at left tackle for however long Robinson's out. But, I don't know. I'm not blown away by this class. There's a lot of volume here. I'm not sure I see a lot of long-term pieces here. I'm not even sure I see a lot of, you know, get through your rookie contract type of pieces here. But I guess we'll see, you know, with volume, with scratch-off tickets, there's an opportunity for you to outpace their draft slot, outpace my expectations. But right now, this is just kind of a, just a giant shrug emoji for me. I think the big takeaway that I have here, Jamie, is outside of the six games that or six games or so that Aarontown Harrison's going to fill in for Cam Robinson. I don't know if I see any starters or pathway to being starters on this team in the short term. 
that yeah. is the biggest question mark I have here. Could Anton Harrison be a long-term answer at one of these tackle spots? Yes, probably. He's going to be a short-term solution for this season. But Bretton Strange, he's going to be sitting behind Evan Ingram, who they're working very hard to get a long-term contract extension with, right? They franchise tagged him, but they, they're either working on or going to finish pretty soon a long-term contract with Evan Ingram. Tank Bigsby, okay, he's going to be a complimentary piece to Travis Etienne as long as Travis Etienne is healthy there in Jacksonville. Um, Antonio Johnson, could he replace Andre Sisco in that rotation? Sure, but again, I don't see a lot of pathways for a lot of the top half of this class, and that's what you're expecting with the top half of a class. Mm -hmm. Those are the guys where you're getting immediate impact contributors, guys that can see the field early and can provide you a ton of value. After, let's say, Jamie, the the fourth, maybe even the fifth round, these are lottery tickets. Some of these guys are going to pan out and be, be contributors. Most of them are not. Let's just call a spade a spade. That's how this normally plays out. And for me, I feel like a lot of this class is lottery tickets that I don't really know how quickly they will pan out for this team. So a questionable class for a team that had a good year, 9-8. and eight. They seemingly got the quarterback position figured out. Trevor Lawrence had a great season last year. Hopefully to build on that, Doug Peterson entering year two. You feel really good about that. But this was not a team that didn't have its fair share of holes that needed to be addressed. And I don't know if they achieved those goals. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, it's not a team that's drafted super well in the Trent Baalke era either. I mean, let, let's be realistic about that. Again, it's too early to say, to, to make any major proclamations about the long-term outlook here, but uh, Baalke doesn't get the benefit of the doubt for me. Uh, Jamie, their entire starting receiving core are two guys that they signed in free agency last year in Zay Jones and Christian Kirk, and Calvin Ridley, a guy they traded for. That's it. Yeah. Their starting receiver core is not homegrown. Uh, Trent Baalke, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne picks? Like... Wasn't he? Wasn't was he there for that? I, mean, uh, yeah, I think he was. But I mean, look, the Trevor Lawrence pick is—that's easy, right? That's an easy. Pick you, don't to make. Any, you don't get any credit for that pick. Nobody was picking anybody but Trevor Lawrence, number one. You know, Etienne has been has been obviously he got hurt the first year and he was really strong last year. But I mean, that's it's fine. The Trayvon Walker pick, pick, you know, Trayvon over over was, Hutchinson was an was eyebrow wrong, raise, right? Was a wrong pick at the time, and it's a wrong pick now. Um, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, look, let, let's. Maybe I'm being. Oh, I'm. I'm trying not. I don't want to be mean. Okay, that's this a rarity for you. I, well, I'm only mean to you. If Trent Baalke doesn't hire Doug Peterson, we're having a completely different conversation around the state of the Jaguars. I agree 100. Doug Peterson and, has been able to do more with less than than Urban Meyer was able to for sure. And I've liked some of the guys that they've gotten in middle rounds, but like they've also missed on a lot of guys too. So uh, we'll see. Shrug emoji draft, but let's let's they don't Balky does not get the benefit of the doubt from me here because he has not drafted well with this organization. The team that finished second in this division that I am predicting will not finish second in this division this year. Tennessee Titans seven and ten second, as I mentioned in the AFC South, a uh, much more condensed draft class in comparison to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just six picks for us to discuss. It's Peter Skaronski in the first. It's Will Levis, QB out of Kentucky, in the second. Running back out of Tulane, Tajay Spears in the third. Josh Wiley, tight end from Cincinnati, in the fifth. Jalen Duncan, Maryland offensive tackle, in the sixth, and Colton Dowell, wide receiver from UT Martin, in the seventh. Jamie, I think everything we criticized the Jags draft class for, you can say the complete opposite about Tennessee. They address need. Their first three picks are players that I think can be contributors. They took two nice flyers in Josh Wiley and Jalen Duncan late. I like what they did here. Yeah, I, I'm in like. Uh, I thought the Skronsky I said like. Was... I didn't say love. I said like. I'm in like as well. I know. Okay. I, I know. But I, I think you like the third pick more than I do. And we'll talk about this I in do a like the third here. pick more than you do. Um, 
Look, Peter Skronsky is a solid, solid pick. Some had him as the top offensive line. Tackle, guard, whatever he's going to play for you. It doesn't really matter because they need upgrades everywhere. Correct. Let's be honest with you. Peter Skronsky is, is a starter for them instantly and is the best player on the offensive and line right away. Much, and to compare it to another pick, I'm okay with taking a guard at 11 rather than taking a guard at 6 like another team did in the Arizona Cardinals. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And again, I, and you... And here's the thing, you could try him at tackle because he's not displacing anybody. Correct. You know what I mean? He's not displacing anybody good. So if he does, it fails a tackle, move him inside, call it a day. Uh, Will Levis, I love the value there. Mm-hmm. I, I know there's, I know he was the most polarizing, I, I guess him and Anthony Richardson were the two most polarizing prospects in the NFL draft leading up to it. But uh, I think this is a tremendous value. I think he's their starter by midseason. And I think this might be uh, as it was maybe for, as I mentioned, for Joey Porter Jr. when we did the AFC North. The kick in the ass that Will Levis could need to start playing with a chip on his shoulder to truly reach his full potential when he matches up the mental attitude with the physical skill set. So I really like this here. Um, Tajay Spears, I love the player. I do not love how long you, what you're going to get from him long term. So that's uh, his, knees, his knees have been red flagged since pre-senior bowl. So this is the interesting part because I love the player and I love the value. Right? I think the third is a perfectly reasonable range to take Tajay Spears. Here's the here's where the pick kind of loses its luster for me. Tennessee needs a complimentary piece to Derrick Henry. Yes. I just didn't think they would be the team to take Tajay Spears. And to me, I look at this too, is you start to project potential long-term options. And we already have heard the Derrick Henry rumors this offseason. You're going to spend a top 100 pick on a running back if you're Tennessee in your current state, which I would call a rebuild right now. Mm-hmm. You got to get somebody that you look at as the heir apparent to Derrick Henry. Three years for from now. When you tra- not even three years from now, next season when you trade. Okay, Tajay could be that, I think, next year. Three years from now is my concern. Well, my concern is is that he's got no knees. What well, do I mean, we have? No, he has knees. He has, doesn't have ligaments in the knee. That's well, that's, that's kind of important. That's, Chris. that's the distinguisher. Well, again, look, you can't tear an ACL you don't have. It's true. So. It's true. Again, I but, love the player, and I don't necessarily hate the value. I just think when you look at the way Tennessee uses running backs and wanting to get a complimentary piece for Derrick Henry, the fact that this is the guy that they ultimately came back and said, "Yeah, we see that injury profile, and it doesn't bother us," is a weird conclusion to come to. But, and look, I, I want to acknowledge that they know more about we medicals do. than we do. And, 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 and I want that to be very clear. But Tajay Spears, as great as he is, would have been somebody that would have been off of my draft board. Oh my God. Of This is a position where you have a limited shelf life anyway. And now you're going to take a limited shelf life player that isn't Todd Gurley. Like I know Todd Gurley had some knee issues coming out of college, but this is not Todd Gurley. You have, a, you have a limited position at a low value that has major leg concerns. Like, this would not have been the take that I have. I don't want to talk down the player. He was absolutely phenomenal at the senior ball. I got Steam up close. He was the oh. best player in Mobile on offense. There's yep. no doubt about it in my mind. But I have some concerns because I think you're when you're, spe- you're not taking him in the fifth, you're taking him in the third, which mm-hmm. means you're looking for him to at some point be a considerable contributor for a team that might need to move on from Derrick Henry soon and really go into this major rebuild next year with no Tannehill, no, maybe no Derrick Henry, et cetera. I would have rather this top 100 pick, if you're going to spend it on a running back, one that I feel like can hold up through the rest of his rookie contract where I'm not sure Tajay Spears is going to be able to do that. I hope he proves me wrong. Uh, Josh Wiley and Jalen Duncan, as I mentioned, I think are two very nice flyers. flyers. Right, I yeah, love and, those flyers for them long term. And Colton Dowell exists. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Wow. Uh, I, I've he's somebody I've heard the name leading in the draft, but it's not somebody I know. I'll be honest, I don't know anything about him. I uh, watch zero games of UT Martin. We get back to um, 
very lengthy draft classes as the Indianapolis Colts provide us with one. 4-12 and one last year, third in the AFC South. Chris, before you start, yeah. I would just like to let you know this is the best class in the division. <laughs> let me just hold on. Let me consult with my notes here. Uh, yes, yes, the best class Houston in the division. Good, I mean, um, Houston gets picked twice in the top three, so they, they get their Because their it's the best class in the 2023 NFL draft, folks. This is the best class in the division, and, prob- and yeah, the best class in the in Let's the, go through it. Let's do the thing. I've been looking forward to this since we started this series. This is my favorite draft class for about 13 different reasons. Anthony Richardson. How many picks they have? No, I don't know that's how many picks they have. 12. It okay. Like 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. So for 12 different reasons. Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. In the second. Highest, ju- up, highest upside quarterback in the draft. Are you going to do this for every pick? Is that what we're doing here? Is this the bit? Sure. Okay. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know, but we'll see what happens. Julius Brents, corner from Kansas State in the second. Athletic, lengthy, freak. Josh Downs, wide receiver, North Carolina. One of the best route runners in the class. Blake Freeland in the fourth, BYU offensive tackle. He's fine. Tommy, I like Tommy Adebore, defensive end from Northwestern in the fourth. Tremendous upside. Darius Rush, corner from South Carolina. Speed. Daniel Scott, safety from Cal in the fifth. Low key, I, this is a really strong pick for them. I Dude, think Daniel Scott is gonna. I think Daniel Scott's gonna be a starter for them in the next two years. Su- super good athlete, and that's the theme yeah. for them. They drafted guys with high RAS scores. They're first, <laughs> that's all they did is draft for, So from Anthony Richardson through Daniel Scott, everybody had above a nine RAS score. You yes. and I did the work on this and looked at it. Every single one of them above a nine. And, and by the way, the next guy, everybody is, is a, almost would be considered a post hype sleeper. If for those of you that are familiar with that from the fantasy sphere. Uh, this is a post-hype sleeper who killed it at the Combine in the next pick in Will Mallory. Will Mallory tight end from Miami in the fifth. Evan Hull running back from Northwestern in the fifth. Uh, in the sixth, Titus Leo, Wagner linebacker. Jalen Jones, corner out of Texas A&M in the seventh. Jake Witt, uh, Northern Michigan offensive tackle in the seventh. Absolute. I mean, you want to talk about athletic freaks. Jake Witt is an athletic freak as well. Jamie, Anthony <laughs> Richardson. Julius Brents, Josh Downs, Blake Freeland, Tommy Edaborway, Darius Rush. I think those first, how many picks is that? Six Five. picks. Or six, Rush, yeah, yeah. Can all be starters for this football team. And I think you're looking at even more if you start to spread that out to year two and year three. Look, you got the highest upside. There's a downside, but you get the highest upside quarterback in the class. And Anthony Richardson. Uh, for me, Julius Brents was a top three corner in the class. Should have gone in the first round. Crime that Josh, he didn't, but it's okay because we got good value here. Josh Downs, top five wide receiver in the class. 100%. I think Blake Freeland there in the fourth is is a worthy potential value pick there. Uh, Adetomo Adebore is, I I think, is going to develop in the fourth round. In the fourth round? In the fourth round. Darius Rush, I think, is is a tremendously underrated corner that I think is going to get a lot of play. Daniel Scott, I think, has some long-term options. Will Mallory as a depth piece at the tight end position is at number two. Um, I, I think with him and Woods is a really good combination they've got there. Evan Hull is a depth option behind Jonathan Taylor. Then you have some, and you take some flyers here: Titus Leo, J.L. Jones, Jake Witt. Uh, probably guys that are going to be practice squad guys in, in year one. But I, I like the upside here. This is a great class. They they took advantage of every high level, high upside value pick that other teams passed over for whatever reason, and they said, you know what, we're going to get guys. We're going to get dudes. And you've got probably anywhere between three and six starters from this class already. Now, can I, I I just want to push back a little bit because when we use the term high upside, right? And we talk about high ceilings that can concern some people. There's high floors here too. Julius Brents, in my opinion, going to be the best corner on this team by the end of year one. I've said that before. I've said it. Julius Brents might be the best corner in this class. I know, I know it's blasphemous, and I wouldn't again. I wouldn't necessarily rank him 
one, but I'd rank him three. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And that length. I would I would not be shocked if he, we look back and he's the best cornerback in this class. He's got a shot at the beating. So that. we have what I think is going to be the best corner in that room by the end of the season. Josh yes. Downs, his floor as a wide receiver is, I think, a solid wide receiver three. And a massive upgrade in the slot over Paris Johnson. Uh, okay. Not Paris Johnson. Uh, Paris Campbell. Tommy Edabore, I think, has got a high floor as a pass rusher, and you get him in the fourth. Anthony Richardson is the very is the boom or bust, in my opinion, if you're looking yes. at this from doesn't have his high floor. But I think Brents has a high floor. I think Downs has a high floor. I think Tommy Edabore has a high floor. I think Rush and Scott have pretty decent floors for you. I think they did well here. I think Chris, listen, Chris Ballard heard all the noise about, oh, he's on the hot seat. How long can he still be the GM? Never takes a quarterback. And he said, watch, watch me in the draft. And he hit just great value after great value after great value. Also, I say because I see it on your hat, a lot of Senior Bowl guys. Uh, Julius Prince, Senior Bowl. Blake Freeland, Senior Bowl. Will Mallory, Senior Bowl. I'm trying to think who else was at the Senior Bowl. Rush. Derek Rush, Rush was, was at the Bowl. Senior Daniel Bowl. Scott was at the Senior Bowl. Daniel Evan Scott Hall was at the Senior Bowl. Okay, yep. Uh, there's a lot of Senior Bowl guys. Athletes and Senior Bowls. That was the mantra for Chris Ballard and the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, well, you guys know what our favorite class was in this division. Um, let's talk about another class that we actually like pretty much. 313-1, last in this division, but a team that I think did very, very well, the Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud at number two overall. Will Anderson, they they trade back up to the number three pick, take Will Anderson edge from Alabama. Juice Scruggs in the second, center from Penn State. Tank Dell, wide receiver from Houston in the third. Dylan Horton, defensive end from TCU in the fourth. Uh, the, where the value comes in here for me is on day three. Henry Toa Toa, linebacker from Alabama. Pair of six-round picks. Jarrett Patterson, center from Notre Dame. Xavier Hutchinson, wide receiver from Ohio State. And Brandon Hill, safety from Pittsburgh. Look, Jamie, they took a quarterback. We didn't think they were going to do that. They took the swing. They still got a top-end pass pass rusher. They got probably a starter in Juice Scruggs. They went out and got Tank Dell for their quarterback who wanted Tank or for their quarterback who wanted Tank mm-hmm. Dell. Uh, that's great. Uh, and I think Henry Toto and Xavier Hutchinson are great value on day three of this draft. Yeah, I really like what they did. And it's kind of a tale here of you have the top high end option here going two and three with Stroud and Will Anderson to get the you know, now you have your new franchise quarterback and your new franchise pass rusher. Uh, you know, Juice Scruggs, it was a little a little high for me, uh, taking him at the end of the second round, but I, I like the player. I thought he was more of like an early fourth round type of a guy, but like the player, will will have an instant impact on this team sooner or later. Tank Dell, again, talk about great senior bowl guys, really impressed me down there. It clearly impressed CJ Stroud and will is an interesting player to add here into the mix alongside, you know, John Mechie and Nico Collins and Robert Woods, et cetera, in Houston. Then I love the value here of Dylan Horton in the fourth, Henry Toto in the fifth, Xavier Hutchinson and Brandon Hill sixth or seventh. Jared Passons is just a guy for me. I did I didn't love his senior bowl performance, but uh, I really like what they did with the high end high end picks and also getting depth late. This was the uh, second best class in the yeah. division, Chris. So I'm going to go right into Grandenda. It's it to me. It's Indy, Houston. I have this a specific way. I have this a specific way. Yeah. I went Tennessee Jacksonville. Yeah, Tennessee Jacksonville. I think that's fine. That's the way that I that I saw it. Yeah. I think it's I think it's clear cut indie. Um again, I, I have no bones about saying this. I think they had the best draft out of any team in twenty twenty three. They are my favorite class, uh, hands down, addressed need, got great value, got great upside, got great floor. I think they just they just they knocked it out of the park. It was a home run. Yeah. Houston, 
Uh, I think a solid double, maybe a triple with what they were able to put out there. Um, I don't want to take away from what they did, but the praise, I think, belongs to Indy. But Houston did really yeah. well. And then Tennessee and Jacksonville are just kind of there for me. But I, Tennessee, I like a little bit more. I like what they did with their first two picks a little bit more than I like what Jacksonville did. Again, I don't see how many long-term starters Jacksonville has where I can see a long-term answer at quarterback, a long-term answer alongside our offensive line with our first two picks. That's the tiebreaker for me that allows me to put them in front of Jacksonville. I agree. And at least at least looking at Tennessee, at least you potentially have your long-term quarterback and right. a long-term piece on your offensive line, which I don't think you've got. Obviously, you have that in Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville, but just not from this class. All right, Jamie. Did anybody close the gap on the Jacksonville Jaguars? I, I Yeah. Indianapolis closed the gap. They're not. They're not close enough that I'm going to ever think they're going to win this division this year. This year, right? It, for 2023, I don't. I, they're not there yet. But have they closed the gap where long term I think they can compete? Yes, absolutely is the answer well, to even, that question. Even for this year, they've. I mean, again, the gap is massive. So it's damning with faint praise here. Uh, nobody. I don't expect to be within three games of Jacksonville at the top of this division. Maybe even four games, but. I do think they closed the gap because at the end of the day, we thought they would. But until the Colts actually drafted the quarterback, we weren't, you know what I mean? We couldn't mm-hmm. be sure. Mm-hmm. And there was this weird response like, oh, it's going to be Gardner Minshew and some random veteran that's starting the year again in Indianapolis. Hey, but- be respectful to Sam Ellinger. No. Um, so uh, to me, I think they've closed the gap. They're not going to catch. No, no one in this division, barring a Trevor Lawrence long-term injury, is going should. I should say should. we got to play the games. But should catch Jacksonville in this division. But uh, agreed 100%. Teams got better. Uh, agreed 100%. Houston got better. Houston they're got so, better. They're extremely far away, but they got better. Right. I they, they're, they, 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 to me, I think, and I have a bet on this, but I still think they're going to be in the bottom half of this division for the next two years or so. Before, yeah, I mean they have a long, they have a long, long way to go, but they've closed the gap. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is like we just said, the gap is the size of the Grand Canyon. And if you get the quarterback right, you can close that gap All pretty matters. quickly, right? All that matters, right? You can close the, the a Grand Canyon size gap, then just becomes the little crack outside in your driveway when you're just backing and, the car out, you know. And this is a weird perspective to take, but I'm going to take it anyway. Okay, I love obviously this. they they, in theory, you would have much rather given up Cleveland's pick than your own for next year and that move up to go get Will Anderson. And obviously it's really, it's a move up for the quarterback. They just couldn't. Risk no, not no, Jamie, they moved up for Will Anderson jr. They did not move they up for the quarterback. They, they took him they at number two. Well, yeah, because if they took Will Anderson at two, then they would have to give up even no. more to get back up. to Right. Three. Jamie. So they it's, traded up, they more. traded up for Will Anderson. Um, sure. You also have this weird hidden incentive now where unlike last year and everybody, you know, can curse lovey Smith's name from here till the end of time, potentially. Um, but you now have no incentive to tank, if that makes any sense. Like you now have no – as an organization, you don't have that voice in the back of your head at any point that's like, man, we're doing just a little too good to win five games or doing a little too good to win six games. Like you you don't have your, your first-round pick anyway. Mm-hmm. So again, it – probably means nothing but it is at least there's some level of comfort at least maybe for fans some level of comfort that like you can enjoy some wins this year as your team improves because you're not worried about not you're not really worried about oh man we might not get the number one or number two pick right and i think it helps to ryan's build the culture there if they win a bunch early or win more than they're maybe supposed to and again if you win more than you should and you make that pick worse for the cardinals 
That's a win for you. Makes, you feel great about it, it right? Is. It's easier to yep. give away that pick. I think I think where it becomes a bit of a concern is if you give away the pick and you still only win two games and you're picking third. Sure. Then you, then you feel a little bit bad about it. But yes, I, because to, even if you're not even if you're confident in C.J. Stroud, just what you could have gotten. Correct. To move out of that spot. 100%. But 100%. They took their swing. Uh, yeah, I think two incredible draft classes. I would say two of my top five draft classes uh, in the entire 2023 NFL draft in this division with Indy and Houston. And that's saying something with how I feel about Tennessee and Jacksonville being not that great classes that these two classes really kind of carry the weight uh, for the entire division. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on this edition of the show. AFC South in the books. We've got one more draft class recap for you here this week. The NFC South. That's coming to you tomorrow. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Schubert underscore. You can follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Eisen. We got one more draft class show for you. We've got our schedule show, whatever version of that you guys are going to see on Friday. So a fun rest of the week here for you here. Everybody have a great rest of the day. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.